Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. So we will start today's episode off by talking about the blunder of a loss in KC. Texans got outscored 51-31, to giving up 41 points straight. And to comment on that is Rodrigo. Thank you, Jack. So obviously, this was an absolutely horrendous performance by the Houston Texans. There are no excuses. I thought the worst performance of the season was going to be when they lost to Denver at home. But this is somehow much, much worse. So the Texans obviously started off and they scored 21 points in the first quarter. And they were up 24 points with about 12 minutes left in the second quarter. And it was unbelievable. I could not believe it. I was in awe at how well the Texans were playing. All three phases of the game offense, defense, and special teams all played a part, and it really felt like the Texans were going to run away with this game. But still, there was this feeling that, you know, this Kansas City team has the capability to go off and score many, many points in a row, so it's not over. We still have to make sure that we secure this game. And then what happened next was what I would argue is one of the greatest collapses in postseason history. Not just because of the amount of points they surrendered, but how quickly they lost that lead, and then how quickly they got blown out. This was the first game in NFL history, history, where a team that was up 20 points then lost by more than 20 points. This is unbelievable. I can't believe it. It was a complete collapse. The defense could not stop Patrick Mahomes. And as a result, he scored 41 straight points. Nobody could stop Travis Kelsey. He had three touchdowns on virtually similar plays down in the red zone. But what was most frustrating was at halftime, the Texans were only down four points. They were only down four points. If you had told the Texans before the game, certainly if you had told me before the game that the Texans were only going to be down four points halftime, I would have taken that. But what happened after halftime? They just looked flat. They looked like a team that was getting blown out. They came out of the half with no energy. They did not change anything defensively to stop Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes continued to destroy them. and they ended up getting embarrassed. And I think one of the biggest problems in this game was the coaching. Obviously, the players should be at blame for this too because it's totally the defense's fault and all those defensive players that the Chiefs scored 51 points. That's just inexcusable. But the coaching was so inconsistent. I'm not even mad the Texans didn't go for it on the fourth and inches to try to make it a 28-0 game. But if you're going to be conservative, then don't go out when you get the ball next and go for a fake punt. Stay consistent. Send a mentality to your team that tells them what this game is going to be like. So I don't understand. And also, when your coaches, their job needs to be to motivate their players. One of the biggest criticisms of Jason Garrett in Dallas is that he is incapable of motivating his players. And I think this was another example of the coaching staff failing to
to motivate their players. Something has to change. This is terrible. And the and another thing is that the Texans, they've wasted two years now of Deshaun Watson on a cheap contract. They're going to have to make some real changes if they want to be a Super Bowl contender in the following years. Listen, all I have to say is this is the classic Texans. Every okay, even in this game, I was watching the game. We were up twenty-four nothing, and my mom was like, "Oh, we're gonna win the game! Yay, yay, yay!" And my brother was freaking out, and I was like, "Guys, I will put money on the Chiefs on this game." And I was correct. The Chiefs were able to come back, and I thought, you know, it would be a close game with a good ending. No, 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 no. We were up twenty-four nothing at the end of the first quarter, and then they scored twenty-eight points in one quarter. He threw four touchdown passes at one qu- in one quarter. That is ridiculous. I like there's no there's nothing to say. It's it should not have happened. And the worst part is is, is normally when your team is down or it's a close game at halftime, they both have energy going in because especially in the playoffs since they know that they can both win this game. But the Texans, as Rodrigo said, look flat. Like they look like. They like it was scrimmage or something. They weren't trying. They it and they had no energy to them. I thought when the Chiefs got the ball and they scored, I was like, okay, this is the last chance. The Texans don't come out of this huddle and they don't look like they're like one of the best teams in the NFL. This game is over. And exactly as I predicted, they didn't, and the Chiefs won the football game. There's so many places that went wrong, special teams. In the beginning of the game, our special team was amazing with the block punt. But then we fumbled on special teams. I mean, everything went wrong. And all I can say is, is next year the Texans better figure out how to better use Deshaun Watson and, as Rodrigo said, not waste his contract. So the Texans in this game, last episode when I said looking ahead to the Chiefs, they better come out firing. They did that. What I did not predict was that after building a nice, comfortable lead, they would sit back and relax and enjoy their own, watch the show of their own destruction. They didn't do anything to actively try to prevent it. I mean, you see, when you see a team going down in flames, when a team sees itself just absolutely falling apart, most times key players will either try to step up or make a play, or someone will like give a halftime speech, motivate guys. It just didn't happen. The Texans, they started to get flat. They gave up, I think, 28 straight points to win the half, four touchdowns in a quarter. And they didn't – in the locker room, it wasn't, we're better than this. We can go put 21 more on them. We can go win this game. It was Patrick Mahomes has our fate in his hands, and he is going to mercilessly crush us. And that's what happened. That is exactly what happened. So – I don't blame this one as much on Bill O'Brien. I'm not calling for Bill O'Brien to be fired. I think at some point in time, your playmakers have to make plays for you to win a game. And giving up 51 points is not making plays. So it is great that you scored 31 points on a good NFL defense, top-tier NFL defense in a playoff game. That is great. But Bill O'Brien, who is also serving as the general manager for this year, needs to upgrade the secondary, upgrade all of the defense. They need to be able to not allow 51 points to be scored on them in any game 
much less a playoff game. What I have to say about this game, I agree with Jack and everything. The big playmakers for the Texans need to make more plays. But I also think the smaller people, like the less important positions, or not necessarily less important, but I guess like less known people on the Texans, they need to do their part. Like we saw the secondary didn't do too well in that game. But also the kick return, I mean like high and tight, baby. You got to keep that ball up and in close or else you're just going to get it knocked out as soon as you like get touched. Another thing that I have to disagree with the Texans like way of doing it is the play calling. Last game, we saw them. They went for a fake punt on like fourth and two or something like that. In this game, they tried it again and failed again. If you try something and it doesn't work and you fail miserably, don't try it again like that. I'm going to be honest, in this game, one of the key things, when you have the other team on the ropes and you're just crushing them in the first quarter, you got to get after them and make them feel it. Patrick Mahomes was sitting back there with tons of time to throw. Texans had no sacks, and it was just like, you know, even though we're beating them, their offense was still rolling. Um, They had just those two drops on third down that were really unlucky to begin the game which is some of the reason why the Texans put up so many points. Some more surprising playoff news this weekend. The number one seed in the entire playoffs, the Ravens, went out in a harsh fashion, losing 28-12 to to the Derrick Henry-led Titans. See, I think this game is kind of what a lot of people should have expected because the Tennessee Titans, I don't know what happened, But at the end of the season, they have just been running the ball down other teams' throats, stepping on their necks, and just destroying other teams. You saw it versus the Patriots. They couldn't stop Derrick Henry. And uh, another thing to add to that, the O-line later in the season has been giving giving Derrick Henry so much room and just blowing the other team off the ball that it's really hard for uh, all the teams that they've been playing to stop it. And you saw it again this weekend with the Ravens. They couldn't stop the run game. And if they can run it and score a touchdown every single time, uh, as if you just miss on one drive and don't score a touchdown, they're going to beat you. I agree with you, JW. Derrick Henry is a monster. I think it is time we recognize him as the best running back in the NFL. I don't want to hear about Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey does not have this impact on football games. And if you want more proof, just look at it this way. He doesn't have this impact. He can't single-handedly win you the game. Let me remind everyone that the Panthers had a losing record. But anyway, moving on, Ryan Tannehill. Remember, the Titans just beat the defending Super Bowl champions and the number one seed in the AFC. And Ryan Tannehill had 154 yards in both games combined. This offense has been completely carried by Derrick Henry. In my opinion, he's the best running back I have seen since Adrian Peterson in his prime. He is an absolute monster. Now, on the subject of the Ravens, this is how you beat the Ravens. The Ravens are simply not built to play from behind. The Ravens cannot expect Lamar Jackson to throw 59 times and win the game. So much of that Ravens offense is built on running the ball. And once they started trailing and were first to throw, although Lamar 
certainly made some plays, and he had a good day statistically. He was not consistent enough, and he was not great enough to score enough. And he made a lot of mistakes, which is why he still needs to improve as a pocket passer, even after this remarkable MVP season. And because the Ravens could not run the ball, the Titans just began to sit back and they were fully focused on stopping the Ravens passing. And this is why it was much easier to stop that explosive Ravens offense. Another factor was Mark Ingram, who played. You could clearly tell he was not fully healthy. And also, Lamar Jackson's weapons did not have a good game whatsoever. So, for the future of the Ravens, their future is very bright. Lamar Jackson is a superstar. He is easily one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think he's easily going to be a future Hall of Famer. But what they need to do is they need to make sure that their offense can adapt to every situation. Because in the NFL, even when you're the best team in the league by far, there are going to be days when you play a monster like Derrick Henry and you can't stop him. And that is when you need your offense to be able to adapt and be able to consistently pass the ball down the field and score points. Uh-oh, Lamar Jackson is the Ravens. This is proof that the Ravens, without Lamar Jackson, are not even – they're a bad football team. Yes, they are. They're not. I think okay. they're just a decent football team, but their team is just built so much around Lamar. Running the ball and having that two-headed attack with Lamar and Mark Ingram and then being able to work the play-action game with Mark Andrews at tight end and uh, Marquis – uh, Hollywood Brown, uh, a wide receiver, and just being able to throw the ball deep on the uh, on the play action game. And when you take away the play action game because you're got a lead on them, and you take away the run game, they Lamar he's just kind of like a a slightly below average pocket passer, and he just can't win football games against good teams. All right. So, Rodrigo, I would like you, besides Marshall Yonda, to name another good player on the Ravens. Marlon Humphreys, first-team All-Pro. Oh. Marcus Peters, first-team All-Pro. Earl Thomas. I'm in on the offense. Sorry. Been, Sorry, on, on the, the offense. offense. That entire Ravens offensive line, Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, was a first-team All-Pro. Orlando Brown Jr., he's one of the best young exactly. tackles in the league. And okay. not to mention Gus Edwards. He's a beast in the backfield. Also, They're Patrick Ricard at fullback. And all <laughs> three of their play. tight ends are good. Don't call this Ravens team bad without Lamar Jackson when they have 12 pro bowlers. This is not an average football team carried by their quarterback. This is a historically great football team who was built to play ahead and cannot adapt when they played the best running back in the league. Also, their team Fair. is built around a very specific type of offense with the quarterback to be a very big threat in a run game. And when you when the other team takes that away by having the lead, the team just the offensive system does not work really work around it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. Signing off for now and saying goodbye, I'm Jack Ringgold.